0: everyone this is kim c and you're listening to the year of underrated stephen king this is a book podcast and i your host a university fiction teacher i'm doing my ultimate best to highlight as in depth as i can the underrated underexplored and overlooked stephen king titles Welcome, everyone, to an extra special, tantalizing preview of a constant reader interview I had with horror author Jamie Stewart. My friends, Jamie Stewart is the constant reader I want to be when I grow up. Oh my goodness, what an inspiration. He has been writing since the age of nine and reading King since the age of 13. And dear ones, he has read every single king title i believe this is a triumph shared amongst many of you constant readers out there who have been reading king for decades i of course am extremely envious but he has read them all often multiple times and he's in the middle of a chronological reread right now cataloging that process while simultaneously writing his third horror novel he's the author of two previous novels as well as a short story collection, so absolutely hashtag goals in terms of Mr. Stewart getting it done. We had an amazing conversation, and I wanted to hack off a pretty substantial pie piece for all of you and hopefully get everybody salivating for this amazing conversation I had with Jamie. We chat King, WeChat Writing, The Dark Tower all the things. It is rich, it is meaty, it is substantial, and I wanted to get everybody excited for part two, which will be shortly around the corner. But for right now, let me introduce horror author Jamie Stewart as my constant reader interview. Please check the show notes where I will have a link to where you could get your hands on Jamie's writing. But for right now, please enjoy our chat about King. (laughs) All right. Welcome, Jamie, to the year of underrated Stephen King. We are so thrilled to have you with us. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm a fan of the pod.
0: I'm so glad. That's so kind. So I'm thrilled to have you with me for a Constant Reader interview because you are someone who has really taken the nourishment of Stephen King and created a literary career out of it. You've been inspired to actually create and do the work. So I'm thrilled to have another writer and creative on the show to talk about writing and inspire others to write. But we're going to kick this off with our very first question in the Constant Reader interview process. Tell me about your first Stephen King experience. How old were you? Where did it all begin?
1: Thank you very much. That's a very they're very poetic intro. I think I think that's the best <laughs> thing I <I've> ever had. <laughs> My King journey started at thirteen. We had one bookstore in my local town, and it wasn't even a full bookstore. Half of it was books, and the rest was sort of like, you know, uh, A4 paper and pens and sweets and sort of miscellaneous things associated with reading and writing. But they had like a full shelf of Stephen King. And um, I'd always tried to read as a kid, but I just couldn't get past like chapter one. tried Goosebumps, tried Harry Potter, just nothing really like set me in a chair and made me sit and read I was just too um, energetic as a kid but my dad recommended The Shining and Stephen King and I thought well The Shining is a good place to start because I've heard that's a movie haven't seen it but that must be really famous then if there's a movie about it so I picked it up and I read it that summer and I was just glued to my seat it was glued to my hand I just thought This is such a uh, mind-expanding experience for me. And I think that my storytelling sort of influenced at the time were all movies, and movies are like the bad guy's bad guy and the good guy's the good guy, and there's not very much grey area. You know, like when you're watching Indiana Jones, you know the Nazis are bad guys. But with Jack Torrance, he's such a complicated character in that he's a father, he's a family man, who loves his family, who who wants to do the best by them, but he's a dark side that comes out when he drinks, and he becomes the villain. But he's also very, he's also good, and he loves his family. And it, my mind was just sort of expanded by this sort of experience that I just had to read everything else by him.
0: Oh my gosh, i love that! That's so so awesome. And I love that your dad was kind of the the doorway for King because I have the same story. It was my dad as well, and I think a lot of King readers have that something about like. King and the male community, not to genderize it too much, but in the early eighties it seemed like a lot of dads were were reading King and were exposed that way via the paternal element. I think it can definitely go the same way for moms as well. But yeah, Jack Torrance is one of the best, most complex characterslash villains we have so did your dad tell you that it was a scary book or did you just have to find out that stephen king was a horror author by yourself
1: i he didn't really and it's not that my mom wasn't helpful like my mom was constantly buying me books and i was trying to read them and and feeling really bad that i just couldn't get into them so she was actually more supportive than him she she was she's a massive reader and and um she really wanted me to pick up the hobby but he was sort of, I don't know, maybe had an incline into what I liked. But the thing was, like, even back then, I didn't watch like scary films because I find them too frightening to watch. But for some reason, he, he said, like, when I was your age, I read Stephen King. I really enjoyed them. Give it a go. And I'm kind of, I think back then I was sort of hero worship my dad a bit. You know, he was this guy who's like this massive library of knowledge about nerdy things like movies. And- <laughs> Books, So I sort of anything he said was good as a kid. I was going to be like, well, I'm going to read this because my dad thinks it's good, means it is good. And he turned out to be right in the Stephen King regard, at least. Yeah. So he didn't tell me it was scary. And to be honest with you, there's not many King books I find scary because I just become so engrossed with them. Like I sit and read it with Pennywise doing all the awful things he does in that book, and I'm having an absolute blast, because I just <laughs> love that villain and love that story. You know, it's really weird.
0: No, yeah, to each their own. I love that. I love that. There's really all kinds reading Stephen King, and that's kind of what I've learned on my own journey, is I always thought it was just horror buffs. I thought the Stephen King community, especially when I was a non-reader of King, I was like people who love scary movies, those are the people who read King. And to find out, it's like, well, some people aren't phased by it at all. And I actually had a a reader who read it for the very first time. And she's like, this really isn't scary. And I was like, "Oh, oh, okay. I was terrified. But I guess it's just whatever personal psychological barriers we've got in there. I'm glad that the writing is what kind of pulls you toward it rather than the freak out area.
1: Well, I, I had been writing um, since I was nine, so um, I got into horror through um, playing Resident Evil um, games, video games, but I couldn't, again, couldn't watch films, but I could play the video games no problem. And I used to write wee short stories about my friends dealing with like the zombie apocalypse and stuff. But then when I read The Shining, I remember actually I finished it and I flipped to the front and all the King books, as you know, has you know a list of all the things he'd, he'd written. And I was sort of toying with the idea of writing a novel and I saw this massive list books that he had you know published at that point it was 2003 and i said well if he can do it i can i remember that specific thought i just started to write my first novel in at 13 and that's been my outlook ever since <laughs> if he can do it i can so and he, he completely changed everything that i used to write about then suddenly i wasn't writing wee short stories about zombies um i was you know writing about magical kids and all this stuff and you know anything to do with King. I was trying to emulate.
0: That's amazing. It's one thing to, you know, be inspired, but to actually go out and do it. That's where we separate men from boys, I think. So I tip my hat. That's amazing to hear. So on your Stephen King journey, are you a constant reader who has just read them all? Or have you kind of hopscotched around over the years? Do you read them several times? Like where are you currently at?
1: I have read them all at least once. There are several that I I have reread, and um, I think Salem's Lot. I've read six times. Um, yeah, I love that book. But I started in two thousand and nineteen talking about Dan Caffrey before I started listening to the Losers Club podcast, and I'd always wanted to reread King in order. So I started okay. in two thousand nineteen just doing that. So Carrie. Uh, I'm now up to, what's the next one? The next one I have to read is Sale. So it is, and I have actually a review series on um, Horror Oasis, which is a website, and I call it The Books That Shine. And it's the series where I talk about my experience of reading each book As it was when i was 13 as it is now and then i offer a um, suggestion from the current indie horror scene of what book goes with uh what stephen king book so people that maybe like read horror but just read king and would like to read more can find um, other reads uh in the genre
0: I love that so, so much. And it's so important to us spreading our holy message that King should be read by everyone. (laughs) So I'm thrilled that we have accompaniments to assist people. So I'll definitely be linking that in the show notes for sure. Throughout your King journey, has there been a Stephen King title over the years that you have really disliked, but you've noticed everybody loves it? And then vice versa. Is there one that you really, really love, but you notice it doesn't receive a lot of love from readers?
1: That is an excellent question, and I am going to refer to my rank list because I have I'm ranking them in order of what I think is best at least uh, as I reread them. So it's only reread- readable ones. But um, that's that's a good question. I don't think there's one I hate that no one else doesn't like. Kujo, though, no, actually that stand i loved that book when i was a kid but when i reread it i reread it as an adult i didn't find the book that i loved so much when i was a younger reader when i was rereading it again particularly in the middle section which seemed to uh linger for a good too many pages you know i actually i, I was on the king size podcast which is how i, um, I was chatting to you through and they asked what book would I throw on the fire um, <laughs> I, I, I joked that I would throw the stand on it but uh, joking because I do think the first the first half of the stand Captain Trips is phenomenal I think it's you know it's five stars it's, it's a phenomenal section of that book but the moment they get the boulder that book just becomes bogged down in just repetitive scenes of, of the same nature and uh, so that's on my reread I was quite surprised to find that it's nowhere in my top 30.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. The Stand is, I understand why it's one that we talk about quite a bit. Is there one that you love? Because I adore the fact that you, Jamie, are a Duma Key fan. Like, we have to be best friends over that alone.
1: I love (laughs) Duma Key. I love Duma (laughs) Key. Me Um, too. I I can't wait to reread it again. I think actually that's another one that's like five time reread for me. The last time I read it was in holiday, and it's the perfect holiday vacation book because of where it's set in Florida. Like, it's just such a journey you go on with that character. I love Edgar Fremantle. Uh, I love the journey he goes on. I love his relationship with Wireman, who's his best friend, and his and his young daughter that he has. I just think it's a phenomenal journey, and uh, what I really love about that book as well is the talk about creativity. And how King, it's almost in some ways, like on writing, you know, it's when he talks about I Edgar this talent to paint and the sort of groove that he goes into, that he loses his, his self into, I really empathise with that because when I'm, when my writing is at its best, when I feel in a groove, I'm completely like a bomb could go off beside me and I wouldn't know because <laughs> I'm just in the scene.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. I just bless you, sir, for those beautiful sentiments because I just feel Duma Key does not get enough love and it really needs to be celebrated from the rooftop. So you put it so beautifully why that novel is... It's in my top five. Like, it is incredible, all caps. So is there an underrated pick like that? Would it be Duma Key or is there another one that you're like, this is amazing and nobody is giving it any love?
1: There's a great few that I like that I don't think get. There's Joyland. Uh, I just think that is phenomenal. I, but I will say I did not like that on the first read. And I have a good story as to why. I have a good excuse.
0: I'm all ears. I got to hear it.
1: Well, when when jo- Joyland was released, the marketing behind that book was like, Joyland is going to be Stephen King doing it at a carnival. It's going to be the scariest book that King has ever written in years. Mm. That's how it's marketed. And I was like, yes, I am excited <laughs> to, to be totally terrified again. Or, you know, yeah, as I say, not terrified, but I don't feel terror, but, you know, in that zone. And uh, it's not. It's a lovely, bittersweet novel about a young man who is experiencing sort of unquieted love for the first time and struggling with it. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's really tender. And that's what that book is. But when I read it for the first time, I was like, this is not what I signed up for. And, you know, <laughs> bah, away with you. <laughs> and uh, but then i um i reread it and i just it's my t- i think it's my f- my fourth favorite king book i i absolutely adore that book it's incredible i love Devin jones i completely empathize with his character i mean who hasn't been in love with someone who has not even known that they existed uh you know i can yeah. certainly empathize with that so joyland is one that's really underrated for me and um yeah i think its marketing doesn't help it even to this day, because the cover on it, I love the cover. I think the cover is incredible, but the cover makes you think you're getting kind of like a serial killer kind of thing going on with it. And it's not that at all.
0: It really isn't. And oh, you my heart is so moved by your Joyland thoughts because I, too, adore that novel so mm-hmm. much. It just has moved me tremendously over the several times I've run it so to know that somebody else feels the same is incredibly powerful so thank you Jamie yeah. um it's i great I just to really...
1: hear isn't it? like everyone talks about you know shining and I know I, I talked about it there but but you we ha- nobody talks about these sort of like and that's the special nature of your podcast it's shining a light on these quality absolutely quality works that um should have should be up there top tier
0: Agree. Agree. And thank you. You've just put a, a giant log on our fire <laughs> to burn brighter. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Yeah. a Key, Joyland. These are some diamonds in the rough yeah. that, that no one gives enough love to. So I'm so glad you know how powerful they are. When you encounter sort of non-readers of Stephen King or when you get into a conversation about King with people who just, oh, I don't read scary books or whatever... Is there ever a time where you would recommend a title? What's your go-to title for someone who's never read him?
1: Well, I have a perfect example of this, because while I said my mum reads, she doesn't read scary stuff, so she did avoid Stephen King when she was growing up. And, you know, as an adult, she would never frown at me reading. She would encourage it, but she says, that's just not for me. I'm not interested in that. But I um, loaned her um eleven twenty two sixty three which is not a horror novel at all. I would say it's a historical novel with a love story in it. And she loved it. She thought it was brilliant. She thought, that's Yay. not what King wrote. So, you know. And I would also recommend Jim mckay and joyland to those people as well that hadn't written anything by him and think he just writes scary stuff to get the idea well, there's a lot more there. There's a lot. But do you think that the reason why those books aren't as regarded as highly is because they're new? And I think the King fandom has a certain section of it has a certain obsession with earlier King.
0: A hundred percent. Oh yeah. I think that's dead on. I think that early eighties King is so bombastic or late seventies, like his, his entire first 20 years of writing is he had such cultural absorption and attention that absolutely typecast him. And I think uh, there was one of the forewords, it might have been in Firestarter, one of his New York publishers, he was asking what the next book was going to be about. And he says, oh, I think it's going to be this vampire town or whatever it was. And he says, aren't you afraid you're going to be typecast? And at that time, Steve was like, I just care that the check doesn't bounce. So he was just, he doesn't care and so i think that everyone got really comfortable with horror king and so it's a little tricky especially with the films especially with how strong of a cultural presence he has it's a little tricky to get in these underrated titles into people's hands for sure
1: i wonder if people's thoughts would have changed if they did a reread in order because mine has i had this epiphany on my read that if you want i I can chat about um I noticed in his 70s work, the novels that started with Carrie and ended with The Dead Zone, those novels that were like tent poles or foundations in what would become The King of Horror. You know, Stephen King is the King of Horror because each one deals with a certain archetype. It's you know, it's a simple archetype. You know, Carrie's about a pariah. Salem's Lots of Vampire novels. Shining's a Haunted House novel. The Stan's a Plague novel. And then you get to The Dead Zone and it's not able to be. Um, summarise with one sentence. Yes, it's about a person has powers the way Carrie has, but it's so much more than that. It's a love story, it's like find a serial colour story, it's this assassination story, but at the end of the story you realise Johnny Smith is a terrorist and you've just been watch- reading a book about this person that becomes a terrorist to you know, assassinate this politician. It's so much more than that. And I find that you can mark King's work in sort of eras, so those books I c- call foundation era, where he's big. he's beginning the legend that is king. But once you get into the 80s, it's so experimental. You know, you can't define any book in the 80s as being a horror book because they're, so, they're such a mix of genres.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. I love that. I love that sentiment so much. And it even highlights why the Dead Zone is so special, which I think you're 100% right. Like, Johnny Smith, he is mm. such a heartbreaker of a character for me. He's so tragic.
1: Yeah, is and I think like when I doing my reread, I've noticed that there will be a book come along that sort of changes the next course of King's writing for a good long time. And jo- and the Dead Zone was it because there was an interview I read about him where he says, "I don't consider myself a horror writer; I consider myself an ex- a suspense writer." <laughs>
0: All right, everyone, that is a wrap for the sneak peek into my ultra-rich constant reader interview with horror author Jamie Stewart. Part two is just around the corner, promise, promise, and the conversation is even more in-depth and delightful as we get some fantastic king insight as Jamie sheds some very cool perspective on king throughout the decades as well as more talk of the dark tower the writing process king inspiration trends archetypes all the good stuff but for now please visit the year of underrated stephen king at any of the socials and say hello If you haven't yet shared the show with a friend, please do so and head over to Apple Podcasts to give us a five star. If you're also so inclined, you can write something nice about the show because our goal is to wrap our arms around more constant readers or new readers of King and hopefully they will swim to our shores having heard our siren song and stay forever. (laughs) That was almost an evil laugh but I stopped it anyway thank you guys so much for listening stay tuned for part two and please visit the show notes for a link to where you can get your hands on jamie stewart's writing until then we'll be back with part two take care and i'll talk to you soon bye bye